You're tuned in to the MTGG Cable Cast, 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 where they cover magic, the gathering finance. All right? You don't know about it? You're tuned in right now and get ready to learn some shit. Buckle your seatbelts and light a blunt and get ready for the MTG Cable Cast, 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 starring Reptar and Thirsty, them onion head motherfuckers. Alrighty, guys, welcome to the newest episode of the Cabalcast. And this week, we're going to be doing a recap. Obviously, we covered the National after that was over. Now we're covering the National of Gaming, and that would be, of course, Gen Con. So we've got a two-parter prepared for you on prep afterwards, feedback, whatever. And then we'll actually have a third episode as part of this. That's going to be how it's changed over the years, uh, how it's kind of evolved as at one point, not a magic event, then a magic event, and now not a magic event again. So with that, let's get it started with part one of two, which is the pre-show. Right. So... As an LGS, it's a little different than a vendor. Like, So my experience in Gen Con is going to be different. When would an LGS know that you had Gen Con for that year? So we knew uh, basically in like January of this year. Okay. So, you know, you apply. If you have it already, you just apply on the last day. Mm -hmm. uh, if you don't, you're told, you know, hey, you can apply in August, but you should really wait till September to apply. Uh, and we didn't know until January, but that's because, again, first-time vendor. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure your experience at Troll was probably a little bit different. Like, how long, you know, when did you know about it? And did you guys have, like, a booth layout already? Or did you have anything figured out? Yeah, um, so Troll and a number of other vendors were in the same spot for a really long time, which is we'd been there forever so it was just an expectation that we would be there we'd get some sort of like light solicit during the show like you're coming back next year right and there was more just a formality than anything else and then we would get our official solicit and the actual question of like you are coming correct yeah. i think right or somewhere between november and january so a little okay. bit earlier than a first time vendor but other than that probably right around the same time and the reason we would know earlier is because we're going to get a different booth than an LGS, uh, especially when we're given the opportunity to be in the game hall, yeah. outside the game hall, sponsor the game hall, or split between the two. And the, the layout that we're going to select is really going to be determined by what we want to be doing that year, where we think we're going to be best served. The, the game hall is great. That can be a bread and butter. There was one year where we were outside, and that presented a little bit of a problem because if our memory serves, it was a very long booth like you would have expected at a Magic Fest if you were looking at a vendor along a wall. Okay. So, you know, you have a lot yeah. of tables that represent your, your space, and then to you create a little corral with the others. Um, yeah. That was interesting. And then I think we've had main hall tables before as well. And those are really where, like, the majority of our business is done because we are a potpourri vendor. We're not just there to sell card games. We're going to bring tabletop games as well. And so we yeah. want to best serve the Gen Con community. So being in the main hall with everybody else is going to be great for us. Uh, as So we will pick based on what we want to be doing that year or what is available okay. based on whoever else is going to show up. Because sometimes there are larger vendors that are going to move things around. Sometimes 
Gen Con's just going to say like, hey, we're going to have this weird kind of pit set up where there's going to be a bunch of grading companies. So the hall layout's going to change yeah. a little bit. And then we'll, we'll pick and choose based on that. Uh, as an LGS, how long in advance do you get to know your booth layout? So we knew our spot about three months ago. And it was, okay, you know, first year you get a 10 by 10 and you are so thankful for it yes. because doesn't matter. It's Gen Con. You, it's your foot in the door. Exactly. The, the thing that I, I want to stress to anyone that considers setting up for Gen Con, your first year will be utter dog shit. And that is fine. Yep. First year was not utter dog shit. But expect utter dog shit. Because, look, this year doesn't matter. This gets us in next year. Yep. We can yep. pick a booth next year. Because as like a first-time vendor, you're the last one to pick a spot. Mm -hmm. when, when we were solicited, uh, there were, I think, 30 booths open out of Damn. 600. Out of infinite, yeah. Yeah, so we, we didn't even have 10% of the four to choose from. And we were just happy to be there. So we knew what our booth layout quote was uh, when we finally got solicited about three to four months beforehand when we were asked to pick our spot um in terms of how we wanted to actually set it up layout wise mm -hmm. we'd fiddled around with it for a month month and a half uh came up with what our plan was going to be and then we showed up and realized the plan was awful and we had no idea of what we were going to deal with because you know when you're kind of just picking a space on a grid mm -hmm. and you see that there's people around you their layout actually has an impact on yours. Yes, so both of the yeah. booths on either side of us had walls up on the end of product. So now we went from thinking we had potentially two areas of facing where customers could interact with to one. To one. And the big problem there was obviously we're really limited on display space now yeah. because we want to have a spot for buyers too. So you kind of have to throw everything out the door, figure it out, realize, man, we are overstaffed for this position, okay. but we're going to make it work. Um, what about, you know, you guys? I assume when you, you know, kind of as you outlined, when you know your layout or where you're going, you kind of start planning for it anyways. Yeah, there's that. And there's also the fact that Troll has the ability to basically squirrel stock away and that's fair yeah whole and be able to bring some of like the best selling items heading into gen con to gen con so that's going to determine facing it for sealed product for shelf space in the back that will determine uh, what's going to go in the cases but for the most part a lot of that is going to be the same and i think one of the things that gets understated is the utility of uh, any kind of shelving that you can yeah. have in your booth at an event like this. So you can put larger items in the back. You can put your commander decks, you can put your Yu-Gi-Oh tins, your, uh, I forgot what they're called uh, for the Pokemon sets. The um, ETBs and the trainer boxes. Yep, the trainer yeah. boxes, yep. Um, sealed product, board games up on the shelves, right? And so you can face your booth with just line it with cases and buyers. And that makes yeah. it super duper easy for us in that regard. If we want to move sealed product, then we're going to look and try and face it into like the middle of the booth and on the end caps for those interaction points. And when we're able to have those kind of end, like end cap areas, that's when we will actually be able to set the booth up like that. And that's something that our show lead will play with for yeah. probably, I'd say the order has got to be locked into the warehouse maybe like a month beforehand. 
Okay. So we can basically freeze the product and pull it. And so the show lead's going to be playing with that layout from the moment we know what our booth is going to look like up until that last month and work with each individual department. So that's uh, not just vertical, like board games, card games, each department. So that's Magic, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, board games, etc., and determine what they need to have represented, what their idea of spacing is and how much space that product is going to take up, and then build that out. Okay. Staffing it is going to come down to sometimes facing because like you mentioned, when you you, re, you might have to staff the end caps. And when you have to staff the end caps, sorry, when you have product in the end caps, you have to staff the end caps. When mm-hmm. you don't get them, then you don't need that staff so you can place them somewhere else or shed them entirely or change your shift layouts. Because okay, Gen yeah. Con is or can be a very long running event depending on what room you're in. Yeah. Right. So all of that will also impact us as well. Um, for backstock purposes for us though um, this is something that actually can lean into facing a little bit a good example of this is when something that is hot comes out ahead of time and i want to stress ahead of time not at the show and we are going to put yeah. it out so we can look at let's see um like magic sets and new gear stuff aren't great examples like but new games are so you want to look at um like if Argent Saga was one in 2019 that was huge that came out. You wanted to have that. Yep. Um, Wives Wars is another one. Like, did we talk <laughs> yeah, about that a lot? Yeah, a good lot? license just came out exactly. for you. have to have that at Gen Con. Bing. That's it. And so we talk about this game a lot, and not a lot of people kind of get it because they don't play it. But that license, that new IP, that new hotness, um, stuff like that. The uh, One Piece, um, a new set is coming out soon. Yeah. Um, and if had if Lorcana had come out before Gen Con, oh, these are God. these are all items that we would look to backstock at yeah. the show, and that will play into how we are going to be facing the booth because you don't want it all out, you don't want to blow through it immediately. So how much you're going to go, how much you're going to put out, where are you going to put it, how are you going to draw eyes to it, all that's going to play into it, and our show lead is going to know what we're going to be getting from Distro as well. And that's going to play into that. So as a vendor, we get a lot more of that too. It's not kind of, I assume that's different than what's happening at the LGS where it might just be better for you guys to just try and churn that stuff at the LGS instead of trying to bring in what you can. So one of the really interesting things about this was I feel like as from the LGS perspective, you've got to hustle a lot more at this event to make it worth it. Uh, For example, our booth was by the artist area. So you know what we stocked? A bunch of bullshit commons and uncommons in a pick box okay. that the artists were there for. Yep. And when people would say, hey, do you have the Mark Teeden counterspell? Hey, man, I got 20. How many you need for $5 each? Yeah. Uh, and that was something we did. The, you know, It's funny you mentioned the new sets coming out. So this year on Friday of Gen Con, Commander Masters released. There was actually a discussion on should we bring it or not? Because we're like, man, we can blow through this. But then we realized, well, Star City's there. Mm-hmm cool stuff is there strike zone is there troll is there you know who gets that product for way less than we do those guys guys. so they're going to be charging less than us there's no way they run out while they're here so it didn't make sense for us to really bring it yeah and something that we did actually it's funny you mentioned shelves uh this is actually 
another con thing that I think a lot of companies get wrong when they first set up. You can replace infrastructure like that in a million ways. Mm. If you are tight for space, just buy the shelves there, bring them, leave them, whatever. But we actually, the shelves that we had, we originally were planning on, here is row of commander deck, row of commander deck, row of commander deck. Because of how limited on space we were, we said, you know, our back stock will bring a minimal number of copies to the booth. We'll keep extra in the hotel room, which is across the street. And if someone needs to get it, they can just go grab it and bring it back. Mm -hmm. Because we wanted to face as many things as possible. Um, because, again, you know, it's a potpourri event. Yes. It's not really just card games like it was. It's not even just gaming. The amount of booths there that are selling like anime stuff or stuffed animals that just don't have anything to do with other stuff is like double digits, like 30. And you need to plan to have like a broad spectrum of customers because of that. Like mm -hmm. our best selling item on the weekend uh, wasn't like any cards or anything. It was literally a gem tech deck box and some error cards sleeves from dragon shield hmm. but it wasn't magic it wasn't pokemon it wasn't lorcana uh we kind of just had to throw a bunch of stuff at a wall and see what worked uh one of the interesting things about backstocking at an event you mentioned lorcana where something new comes out and is the hotness yep. there is such an absurd premium so basically lorcana this year the line started at 6 30 the night before if you wanted to wait in line to get a box for $150. We were buying boxes from people for 300 and selling them for $20 a pack. Sold them all. Yeah. $480 a box. And the number of people that said, I want to say I opened a pack of Lorcana before it released. And $20 is the sweet spot for that. So that was something we kind of had mm. to plan on leaving space for. Yeah. Because the potential of having that was greater like the potential earnings from maybe getting one box was greater than filling it with another product to us and that's another one of the interesting things about these events is when you do have these big releases yeah. do you plan for those some people do some people don't we did just because we thought there was value in saying hey we have it guys if you don't want to wait in line, you don't want to get trampled, you don't want to spend $150, you just want to go into the vendor hall, shop around, drop a 20 spot on a pack, we've got you covered. Hmm. And I think that's one of the really interesting things about these events is the flexibility that some people have to have. Yeah. Uh, but for us, you know, the backstock and refacing, again, being so space constrained was like pretty important. Yeah. Uh, the other interesting thing is, you know, you go to a Magic Con. Well, I'm going to bring every copy of a Fetchland I have. We basically just bought a playset of everything. And we were like, look, we're not going to hit 4,000 Magic customers this weekend like you will at a Magic Con or 20,000, whatever the case is. You know, there may be, I think this year they said there was one person said 85,000, one person said 105,000, whatever the case was. Of those unique people, maybe, maybe 10,000 were purely there for magic mm -hmm. to shop for magic for magic. Yeah. And, and that's probably a gross overestimation. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's something you have to plan for as well. When you're thinking of your stock for this event as an LGS is look as an LGS, you don't have to cover anything outside of your local market. 
But if you have like some stale product that's sitting around, I think there's value in bringing that because it's clearly not moving at home. Yeah, yeah. But it may move here, similar to, you know, you saying Troll could stockpile these high-end items and bring them out for Gen Con. I, I think even as an LGS, you need to plan for that. You need to have some plan for, well, what am I bringing that may be just a better out at Gen Con than at home? Uh, and that was something that we spent a lot of time, basically as soon as we were confirmed for Gen Con. All right, we have all these old Commander decks. We have all these old dual decks. We have these old Pokemon ETBs. We have sealed jungle boosters that are, you know, weighed heavy. What kind of this stuff do we want to bring? And I think that's, you know, when you're planning for it, the most important, the single most important thing, more important than layout, more important than staff, is your inventory, your backstock, yeah. how you're going to face that stuff. And for us, it was basically bring a smattering of everything in as small a quantity as possible. Okay. You don't want to go very high or deep. You want to go very broad. Yeah. Because an LGS just doesn't deal with that wide variety of customers on a regular basis. Got it. Yeah. For, for us, this is like, and I imagine it's actually not the same for anyone else besides Troll uh, after a point. So for a vendor, we're going to bring what we feel is appropriate for quantities based on histor- and then items that are historically important to Gen Con, new and old, et cetera, right? That's, that's the, just the kind of thing. Our back stock, some of it will be at the booth, depending on what it is. Some of it might be back up in hotel rooms and safes, what have you, around the area. Yep. And then that'll, that'll be the same for a lot of vendors and some LGSs as well. They'll, they'll squirrel their stock around, like you mentioned, you hotel rooms, et cetera, because you don't get a lot of room at the booth and you don't want to put a lot of stuff in your tables. And yeah. Depending on where your booth is, that could be limiting for the amount of back stock that you have. What makes Troll a little more interesting is that Indianapolis to Corbin, Kentucky is almost a straight shot. Yep. And Troll will run semis from the warehouse to Gen Con 24 hours a day. So nothing gets missed. Everything can get restocked and people can basically put orders in on the website and have it shipped out to Gen Con. That's amazing. Yep. I thought when I first heard that, I thought that was insane, but Troll did staff uh, or does staff one or two semis for no. for Gen oh, Con. To perfect. Just, then. Yep. Because it also allows them to just Hoover. Because that's true. Yeah. You don't have Bring to it all in. It exactly. all goes out. Yep. Yeah. So one of the things that vendors will do is they'll have their fleet of pickers behind the scenes, just going through buys, especially when they're being done in bulk. So things that are going to be flipped in the booth can be flipped in the booth. Anything else can be for troll can be loaded up, put back on the truck and sent back. And it allows just this constant churn of both like objects and cash through the booth that not a lot of other vendors even get the opportunity to because of that, like quote unquote prime location to Indianapolis. And I think, yeah, it just it's just one of the things that, that that they were afforded, but otherwise everything else kind of plays out the same. Where it is weighed and measured, you have you depending on how you're getting there will determine what you can bring. Um, you know, Star City definitely trucked their stuff around when they were doing their series. Channel was flying it out, pallet shipping, yep. face pallet ships, etc. So you can definitely get a lot out and a lot back on the cheap in comparison. So there's opportunity to backstock a lot, but to the point you're making. When you are bringing stuff in from a distance, you have to be very careful about what you're bringing in. It has to be weighed and measured ahead of time, like literally and figuratively. Yeah. And you've got to make sure you are going to be serving the patrons of the event as best as possible. Um, 
Now, one of the things that might impact you a little bit more or people that are set up in the game room is the, like, quote, official events that are going to be run at Gen Con. And if those yeah. are given to the vendors ahead of time, and if it was, did it impact the focus of your stock? And I, I want to be specific here. When I say official, I mean for any game. Yeah. Um, we mentioned up top that there was a point in time where Gen Con was no longer magic focused, and that's because Watsi did pull a lot of the official events out. Yeah. Uh, but there are still other events being run there officially. I think this year there was actually a quote official unquote old school event, at least there was. one. Right. <clears throat> so the thing with this, so as a vendor, you basically find out when everyone else does, got it. when they post the events on the website. Uh, and it used to be that vendors got a heads up, and I'm glad that we don't, because excuse me, obviously people can't keep their mouth shut, so they're going to say something. Uh, case in point, those promotional products from Eldraine that accidentally got shipped out early that Wizard says, please don't spoil these, well, they got spoiled today. Yeah, they're already spoiled, yeah. Uh, but the thing that we really plan for in terms of like staffing is less like when magic events are, uh, it's kind of what do we expect the vendor hall to look like around these events? Yep. So the big events, obviously this year, Lorcana, uh, big event every year, the L5R championship, the nineties game, not the current one, the dead one from the nineties, uh, Catan world championships, werewolf world championships. Those are just kind of events that, you know, so many people go for those mm -hmm. that, you're going to be a little more dead. So if you need to take lunches, you take them around those events. If you want to staff a little bit lighter, you staff lighter around those events. Just because you know it's not going to be as big of a deal. Yeah. Uh, great example I remember of an event was a few years ago, they did the alpha draft. Or the beta draft. Uh, or the beta draft at Gen Con. Yeah. And that was something where when we were planning for it, we were like, well, I mean, there's only going to be eight people drafting. But I have a feeling a lot of people are going to want to be there to watch because that's such a unique event. And then once the event is over, we can expect a rush of people either buying or selling mm -hmm. because you have this exposure to it and people are away. And then, OK, I realize I need to get rid of this stuff now because yeah. there's this really cool stuff and I have a little bit of FOMO. Maybe I want to get some product like that, whatever the whatever, case may yeah. be. Uh, and that's kind of the thing that really just impacts it. In terms of stock, it didn't really impact anything like that. Now, we did bring a little bit more One Piece because there was a large One Piece event there. Uh, but that's about the only way it really did was, hey, there's going to be a big One Piece event on this specific day. Yep. We want to bring One Piece every day prior to that and that day and then leave it in the hotel afterwards. Okay. Uh, you know, like if there was a modern championship there. But it was on Friday. Yeah. I don't give a shit about my modern cards on Saturday or Sunday. People don't need them anymore. They played the event on Friday. Yeah. So that kind of informed it. Um, I, I don't know if that was any different for Troll or if it was just, look, we just bring it all. Who cares? Um, a little more bring it all. Who cares? But there's definitely going to there's definitely going to be a point in time where if it, Gen Con ever goes back to having that like Cobblade era kind of event series where they were just God. firing winner boxes the moment each one of them filled that yeah. we would probably cater to those formats because, yeah, that was just, like, anybody who wants to go out and play in that format needs, like, you know, the same suite of, you know, 75 cards. It's the same carbon <laughs> copy deck, right? 
Everybody's playing the exact same deck. So yeah. we would probably point a chunk of stock to that. You know, we're not going to zero out Jace the Mind Sculptor on the website, but we'll probably come really fucking really close because we yeah. can move them all there for a premium to people who want to play in those those winner boxes. Yeah. So that kind of stuff, absolutely. And then, yeah, for the one pe- for the one piece events, for a weekend, we could probably zero out the website or drop it down to like one copy on some of the big stuff just to have it in the case, to have that sure, kind of yeah. presence because, yeah, when there's a large event there, you want to, you know, you want to show up, show out. So absolutely, hundred percent. And then I think when you have events like that as well, that is going to impact us also on the lower end because we have the opportunity to bring in some of those starter products that do carry a price tag. Yeah. So if you think about like structure decks from that's a Yu-Gi-Oh thing, right? The structure yeah. decks. Yeah. You have. Um, the intro or starter decks for magic still and other games still have that like flesh and blood has two different types there's the free one that's given out and then like the next the the starter deck the next level up right yeah so you want to pay attention to that because that's how you can get people into the game or you know the event gets people into the game the buzz about it what's going on and then you have that product there and that can engage that person they're not going to come out and buy the 30 dollar card but maybe they'll come out and buy the starter the starter thing and what's it going to cost you? Like a little bit of shelf space. And for somebody like a troll and toad who has the ability to keep that on hand to face it properly based on that or shuttle it up and home same day because we're because of that the semi that I was talking about. Yeah. Like, yeah, sure. Get it in there. Roll it out. Like not bad at all. The the one big difference here, and this is kind of where I'm, I, be, I get to bow out, is troll doesn't have an LGS. There's no front-facing organization or game store to this so when gen con is going on there's an amount of staff that's there basically a bunch of specialists the warehouse yep. slows down you know everything does, does come to a grinding halt but things are are slowed as we need to move people over to do the additional jobs at gen con but at the lgs there are only so many employees yeah so when you are pulling staff away from the lgs what does it look like there? Are you guys still actually like doors open for the standard amount of time or do you shrink down a little bit? So doors were open for the standard amount of time. And part of that is, you know, we have staff, so it doesn't matter. We have enough people. Okay. But one of the stores I used to work with or work for, when we would do it, we would basically bring, you know, five people to Gen Con, only two of whom were employed at the store. Yeah, the other three were... The other three were solicited or an owner who didn't pull hours at the store or something like that, where it was basically, you know, we know this event is worth it for the store, but we don't want to gut the store. Yep. Who do we trust that we know can do this job, that we know is good with people? And a lot of times it was just former employees that moved on that still love Gen Con. Mm-hmm. You know, Gen Con is one of those events that, similar to a Comic-Con almost, some people will literally just work for the badge and travel. Yeah. You cover that, I'll figure anything else out. Uh, so the store was still open, and on the stores that are short on staff, usually they'll just find someone that can work the event and leave the people they trust in the store to mm-hmm. run the store. Uh, and that's usually the way it does. The other thing is that, you know, being in St. Louis, we're close enough to Gen Con that even if we were to lose staff, it wouldn't matter because we lose more customers than Con. we do staff. Yeah. Because everyone goes. Uh, so, you know, your Friday Night Magic Legacy that usually gets 20 probably got six because everyone was at Gen Con. It's just 
how it works. Yeah. Uh, and that actually makes it a little bit easier for us. Now, if it was a store in, say, like Nebraska, might be a little bit different. Uh, but so far, what I've seen from all the stores I've stored, we still staff fine. Right. We still stay open. We still do everything like normal. Uh, you know, Gen Con is usually pretty good about not happening on like a big, like, pre-release weekend or something for Magic or yeah, Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah. Um, they'll do premiere events like they did for Lorcana, but Lorcana did not release that day. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, Commander Masters did. I don't really consider that a product that needs a pre-release or anything, though. That's just a lottery ticket. Whatever it is, yeah. It, yeah, exactly. So that, that, was, that was fairly easy. Okay. And a little bit of logistics here. So Gen Con goes Thursday through... Sunday. Yep. Right. When did you guys actually get into the convention center for setup? So this is something that's changed. Uh, prior to this year, Pez ran the event. Oh, okay. They don't need more. Now a new company is taking it over called Fern. So once upon a time, uh, there was actually uh, an early access that you could get for Wednesday where you could get a Wednesday access badge. They called it trade day. Sure. Because you're in the trade rather than, you know, like a press pass or something like that. But uh, and you would set up on Tuesday or Wednesday yep. this year. Uh, you're given a 12 hour window, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. on Wednesday. That's your setup window. The next morning you have from 8 until 9 a.m., 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. to finish. Yep. Uh, one of the really interesting things about setup that didn't really occur to a lot of people fern actually won't let you sharpie anything it has to be price stickered okay which can actually add a lot of logistical overhead to set up yes, yes uh, if you're not planning for that that's pretty bad that's hours but in the hotel room hours so we got there we left at about 11 a.m because we knew we didn't have a lot to set up uh we got there about five o'clock because time travel change of time zone we were set up within an hour and a half, two hours. Uh, and it was basically fairly straightforward because, yep. again, you know your setup before you get there, really. Yep. Or a general idea. Then you just retool it as quickly as you can. So we got in there, again, probably around like 536. We're out by 738. Mm -hmm. There were people that had been there since 8 a.m. that were still setting up when we left. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, it's just how it is. Exactly. Exactly. That's why. That's why I wanted to know like how long it was open. So going from two days to one day can be pretty difficult for booths that have a lot of interactive pieces to it. Yeah. So I'm curious about that. And um, you mentioned the trade badge up top. So then the last little logistical question I had is like a lot of larger cons offer a press badge or a press ticket to get in the day early. You actually have to have the credentials to get them, and basically it just allows people in the in the press industry to come in take their photos of Vendor Village, talk with people, and start right, pumping out their articles. Was that still a thing now with Fur, or is that gone? Nope. Fern got rid of it. Okay. Uh, so now there were... The interesting thing this year is that a lot of those people were set up at booths. So they were able to get in on their vendor badges Got it, on, that on Wednesday yeah. and still go through and do all that. Now part of that is Whatnot had a booth there. So I think there were a lot of people that were part of the press that kind of just partnered with whatnot to get an exhibitor badge Got it. and say, hey, we're going to go do our thing, record whatever. Yeah. Uh, now, there were significantly more people doing that during the actual event, mm -hmm. but there were a few that were set up 
on Wednesday that were just going around interviewing people. Uh, there were even some people with like upper deck that were going around doing that and just talking to people about how their Gen Con was recording it, streaming it, whatever. Yeah. Now there were still trade day badges that people could get, but there was like a trade night set up the day prior and that was how you got into it but it wasn't in the hall Mm -hmm. it was in i think the marriott that's attached they had a consignment room in there where you could just leave stuff on consignment see if it sold over the week and then collect your money uh and that was like kind of a community oriented thing that they just said hey we're gonna you know you buy a badge for it you can get it and trade whatever you want that's pretty cool yeah. So, like, Gen Con isn't the kind of event like a Comic-Con where there's a lot of these booths that are whole experiences. Yeah. So the idea of the press badge to get in and go through the experience during, you know, working hours, but not with the rest of the riffraff yeah. makes sense. So, it's understandable that for everybody well, th- get rid of it. I think part of it, too, is just, like, part of the experience of Gen Con is experiencing these things with other people. It's a lot more communal. You know, Comic-Con's... Not that they're not communal, but, you know, it's hard to see how people experience werewolf championships without seeing people doing werewolf championships. Yeah. It's hard to see how a co-op board game plays without watching a co-op board game play. Yeah. The one thing I think about where the the press badge makes sense for an event that isn't Gen Con is that, um, like, and I'll keep harping back on this, uh, an NYCC that I went to. I forgot who made the game now, um, but <clears throat> South Park Stick of Truth was about to come out, and nobody yeah. had any, any idea what it was. <clears throat> so the company that made it set up Tom's Rhinoplasty on, <laughs> on the vendor so floor, and you would get in in, a, in an SQ or a snake yeah. queue to go in Tom's Rhinoplasty, do whatever it was inside there for an amount of time, and then your group was ushered out. And so as the press, you want to get in there and do that before the riffraff comes in because people don't like seeing others cut lines when they've been waiting there for however long it is, right? So to do that kind of of experience is more what what I'm talking about. But yeah, you're absolutely right. The press badge doesn't make sense to get in ahead of time when you're there to see like an event be played. But because yeah. Gen Con isn't the place that is going to have these like interactive booths like that where they need to yeah. sequester a group of people to do the thing, then it makes sense to, yeah, not give out that badge. Like you don't need somebody floating around taking photos of Vendor Village when you're setting up yeah. or tearing down. It is convenient for interviews because there's no, there's nobody – the vendor's not interacting with anyone then. They're just setting up. Yeah. So that kind of makes sense. But other than that, yeah, that, that one's pretty clear. Um, and then I guess the last question I had that's a little uh, kind of off, and it could have been the next episode, but, uh, but I'm deciding to ask here is, was there a presence for any kind of card grading on the floor this year like there had been in the past? So there was no PSA. Uh, HGA was there. Mm-hmm. Um, they're one of the newer graders that came out during COVID. Their big thing was from the start, we use AI. They do custom labels. Uh, they were there actually specifically advertising their first graded Lorcana service. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were one of the only ones. Okay. Uh, Beckett wasn't there. It's, you know, again, it's become less about the card game aspect as a con. And I think that's kind of moved it away from those companies being necessary there. Yep. Yeah, it was just kind of interesting when they like showed up and showed out. It was like the year TCG player was there to yeah. buy cards. And then yep. one year when eBay was there, and it was like, what are you doing? Like, 
Yeah, and eBay was there uh, just to advertise the vault. Yep. And they had giveaway promos that were for some new game. It makes sense now, but when they were there before, there was no vault. There's nothing like I, like it just didn't make sense why eBay was there. It's like everybody that's that's here has probably used you to buy some aspect for some game that came out 30 years ago that still has dust on it. Like yeah, we know who you are. You don't. There's no need for you. Yeah, but, exactly. Um, okay, so <clears throat> anything else in regards to the pre-show that you can think of that we might not have covered from the LGS standpoint? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay, so that is the pre-show. Next week we will actually go over Gen Con. The then the yeah. week after will basically be Gen Con through the eras. So, for at MTG Cabalcast on Twitter, Facebook, Patreon, and YouTube, I am at Halt, I am Reptar, you are still... Still banned! Yep. (laughs) We'll see you next week.